This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Rumia on AMI-audio, AMI-tv, and your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for tuning in. Whenever you tune in, we love it because we think that you'll enjoy the kinds of conversations that we bring to the table for you. And of course, by we, I mean our contributors, our guests, and, uh, you know, everyone else who we wrangle on to the show. It's time, with or without Kelly... For the weekly roundtable, let's get to it. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now. Goes, (laughs) yeah, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. We have um, one of our favorite returning guests who comes on the roundtable. Things have definitely changed in terms of like setup. Because the way that I remember this guest coming on is in the dark in Studio 5 and audio only. But it's okay. He can return and we still enjoy our time together. We're talking about John Melville, Vice President of Content Development and Operations at Accessible Media Inc. John, nice to have you back on. Great to be here. Thanks for the nice introduction. And uh, hi, Rami. Hi, Grant. Hi. Great to have you with us. Yes, and Kelly's not here, guys, but I will say we are completely channeling Kelly. You might as well call okay. me Kelly because uh, he's picked the clips. He's got the questions. He's taking us down memory lane, mostly you, John. Uh, so I will do my best to be Kelly for the next 18-ish minutes. So let's start with this one. Former Toronto Blue Jays manager Jimmy Williams is dead at age 80. Let's find out what happened. The Blue Jays confirmed the news via social media post, but did not provide a cause of death. Jimmy Williams joined the Blue Jays in 1980 as third base coach and was promoted to manager in 1986. He won 86, 96, and 87 games in his first three seasons as skipper, but didn't make the playoffs. He was fired in 1989 after Toronto got off to a 12-24 start. Williams went on to manage the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros. Jimmy Williams, dead at age 80. Greg Strong, the Canadian Press, Toronto. John, question for you from Kelly. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about your career when you were working with Telemedia covering the Blue Jays? Does this ring hard for you, the death? Uh, Absolutely. Um, First of all, uh, condolences to Jimmy's family and Mm. and the Blue Jays organization. Um, Jimmy was a a long-serving member of the the team's management uh, management and uh yeah it was it was a kind of a love-hate relationship that uh, toronto had with jimmy back i was uh, a young guy 25 years old when the jays did their incredible drive for 85 in 1985 uh and it was the year after that that jimmy took over as uh, as third base coach uh, or rather the manager and um, he unfortunately there were a few changes went on in the late 80s uh with the club, they they had come off this incredible season where they almost made the playoffs. They were beaten by the Royals, 
uh, didn't advance any further, but it was Toronto's first taste of playoff baseball. Uh, they were down at Exhibition Stadium in those days. And I, I, I later was started work after I came out of Humber College, um, uh, working at Telemedia Network Radio, which was the uh, the blue the voice of the Blue Jays, uh, Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth. Mm. Um, and and actually, Jimmy uh, started his career in 1980 with the Jays, which I think was a couple of years just before Jerry joined the team as uh, the announcer. Um, but uh, things didn't go very well uh, around, as you heard, 89, they let mm. him go. Um, the, you know, as it is in the Toronto uh, fans, uh, you know, calling for the manager's head or the coach's head, they, they did get it. And the Jays promoted Cito Gaston. Uh, and as you guys know, uh, Cito went on to lead the Jays to a uh, 1992 World Series and 1993 World Series over the Braves and the Royals, or the uh, uh, Phillies. So, uh yeah, um, very much a part of uh, Toronto's building process, the Blue Jays' building process, uh, at a time when the team was uh, getting its first taste of uh, playoff baseball. Now, did you feel that his legacy, Jimmy Williams' legacy as a coach, was building while you were working there? Or does this feel like a, you know an incredible loss now, kind of looking back? Well, absolutely, his legacy was building, in my opinion, when when the Jays were in that late 80s period. Um, while they weren't performing at the level they needed to to get into the playoffs, um, the nucleus of the team that Jimmy had that Cito took over um, was, in my opinion, one that kind of led them to the playoff baseball and, and World Series that they would win a couple of years later. Um, the Jays made a lot of management or changes in those days. Um, Pat Gillick was uh, was the uh, general manager, and uh, it was uh, some of the best players in baseball were being uh, being added to the Blue Jays roster. Um, and it really kind of kicked off after they got that taste of victory in 85 uh, as they moved forward uh, through the decade. And uh, Jimmy was m very much a part of that, really kind of bringing a true baseball uh, man's uh, perspective to the game. Um, and, and again, that's my opinion. There there might be others that may disagree, uh, but it's very sad. Uh, as Jays now, you know, managers, uh, players, we've lost a few players. As they start to pass on, uh, you know, we have fond memories of the, of of the, the time they played in Toronto. Yeah, and fond reflections uh, through the ups and downs of the team as well as the game. Yes, uh, indeed. John, thank you. Let's move to some uh, housing situations going on and loans. Housing Minister Sean Fraser announced that post-secondary institutions will be eligible to apply for low-interest loans to build student housing starting this fall. To boost student housing in the country, the federal government is tweaking a pre-existing program to make universities, colleges, nonprofits, and private developers eligible for low-cost financing to build residences on and off campuses. The apartment construction loan program was topped up with an additional $15 billion this fall bringing the total funding available to $40 billion. The announcement comes as the federal government grapples with a ballooning international student program that has added strain to local housing markets. Nujuda Amelie Press, Ottawa. Okay, now, of course, there are a lot of different parts of this we can dissect. Um, you know, for me, the first thing that I think of is the international student problem. Is that how she worded it? Anyways, so, Grant, do you feel like this is a cop-out of really dealing with the situation? 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where anything is better than nothing, right? But housing is just such an unsolved riddle here, and especially for students, because at least where I went to school uh, at the time, I don't know if they would actually be able to sustain this now, but uh, first year uh, international students were guaranteed housing. Right. Uh, and then after that, nobody was guaranteed any housing, so they would just have to kind of set out on their own and a lot of people ended up living in not only expensive but also just plain dangerous or illegal situations mm. where you would you know chop up a basement into like four different suites or something and try and cram as many people in as as you could uh it's 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 just crazy and i don't think that uh, the solution is just to reduce international students necessarily. We need to build and build and build. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's something. I'm just not sure it's enough. Yeah, it's interesting the way that we point fingers, right? Like you can tell that we're at this point of friction around housing altogether across Canada in so many different ways. And now we're saying, whew, okay, we don't want to deal with this. So blame the students, you know, cut it off here, <laughs> um, which makes absolutely no sense to me. And I'm not sure if what I want makes sense anyways, which is exactly what you said. We need more housing. We need to provide more housing. John, how about you? Where they're starting with kind of putting the blame on or prioritizing the problem? What are your reactions? Well, it feels a bit like closing the door after the horse has bolted right. uh, the barn door. Um, yeah. You know, yet again, uh, I think this is federal government, uh, you know, throwing money at a situation. Um, don't feel there's any strategy behind either their uh, student, uh, you know, temporary immigration policy for students uh, or their um, long-term on you know, where are, are immigrants going to be housed when they come to Canada? Um, one of the, the big issues that I've heard about reading between the lines, both from federal and provincial levels and even municipal, is the amount of regulatory uh, encumbrances that lie in, ahead of building anything. Uh, I hear, for example, in the city of Toronto, where some of these universities or, or institutions are based, for example, um, it can take years to get permits to put uh, housing up. Uh, you know, they, even the conversion of existing buildings to a different use, say an office building turning into a residence. Um, the regulatory is is standing in the way of that. And right. no matter how much money the federal government or the provincial government throw at the issue, municipalities are the ones that really control where building is going to mm. go. So I think we may need to get to the root of that as well. It's nice the money's being made available through lowering an interest rate. But on the other hand, is anything ever going to get built? Yeah, and we yeah, haven't even... The question. Exactly. And the trickle effect of all of these things, right? Like, we're not talking about um, something that is uh, able to fix... How do you say it? Like, able to be fixed with this one solution. It obviously will have a chain effect on everything else housing as well and everything else non-housing. So uh, I'm curious about, you know, other people's reactions to this and whether or not it'll go through. Next topic amazon has called off its proposed acquisition of irobot because of what it calls undue and disproportionate regulatory regulatory hurdles 
The companies say in a joint statement they entered into a mutual agreement to terminate their announced acquisition agreement and express disappointment. The deal was facing antitrust scrutiny on both sides of the Atlantic. The European Commission, the EU's executive arm and top antitrust enforcer, had informed Amazon last year of its preliminary view that the acquisition of the robot vacuum maker would be anti-competitive. Amazon announced in 2022 that it would buy iRobot. But the value of the deal fell 15% after iRobot incurred new debt. Amazon will pay the company a termination fee. Charles Tulladesma, London. Now we can talk about the the seriousness or the regulations around this if you guys so choose. Or we can go with Kelly's question, which is, what would you want made into a robot if you had the opportunity and power to do so? So, Grant, your choice. <laughs> Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, from an, from an antitrust perspective, I don't know that antitrust has ever made a lot of sense to me in terms of what they go with and, and what not, because there are just mm. some things that I think are clearly uncompetitive. But then a robot vacuum? I don't love companies buying other companies, but I don't know that I see it as necessarily the most anti-competitive thing in the world. Curious, John, about your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm going to take Kelly's uh, question. Because <laughs> okay. um, it jumped right into my mind as soon as you said it, Ramya. Mm. Um, I would uh, I would want a robot that can help me uh, in the kitchen cooking, uh, particularly cutting things, because ah. I'm, I'm fearful yeah, be nice. with knives, um, particularly, you know, things like, you know, when you want to chop mushrooms and carrots or you know scraped carrots or particularly onions you got to get right over them right and it's like everything's stinging you um so i think yeah if you had a and it you know it could be doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be a humanoid size but right. it could be you know like by the side of the the uh, cutting board something like that i think that would be a great application and uh yeah i can't really uh, uh Amazon's just trying to take over the world, aren't they? So I in mean, one way or another, yeah. yeah. Practically anything's antitrust with those guys, I think. Practically, and also, you know, I really, very late to the game, recently learned how big these robot vacuums are and how uh, widely used they are. So I'm actually not surprised that the com competition laws and and uh, uh, curio not curiosity necessarily, but people putting their foot down around these things are happening. Um, around us and also john you know there are gadgets out there that cut for you but i guess you want it fully automated well just the idea of yeah being able to go and uh watch like tv while it cuts yeah. the vegetables yeah, yeah no <laughs> supervision required love it thanks john appreciate you thanks so much guys appreciate being here John Melville joins us, Vice President of Program and um, Program Development and Operations here at AMI. Works a lot with AMI TV. Grant, thank you for your opinions as well. Always love having you on the roundtable and with any conversation. Taking a break. Anytime. Coming back to wrap up the show with you, going to tell you about some myths around the kitchen. Thanks, John, for bringing that up. And uh, we're going to tell you what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown tomorrow, the morning show. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.